This is the Modern Industrials Podcast, Accelerating Transformation in the Industry 4.0 Era. Welcome to the first episode in our series. Our goal with this podcast is going to be to help spur adoption of the technologies that are critical to industrial innovation by talking about the current trends and challenges that we're seeing in this space. My name is Jason Heeman. I'm the vertical lead for Industry 4.0 and IoT at TXI. It's a lot of acronyms. <laughs> Joining me today is our TXI Head of Engineering, Patrick Turley. Turley, please introduce yourself and explain to people why we call you Turley. Sure. Um, yep, Patrick Turley is the full name that my parents gave me. Uh, that's right. I, uh, I've worked in a lot of places with a lot of Patricks, and uh, somehow you got to differentiate yourself. So I, I took on the moniker of just Turley a long time ago, um, and uh, so pretty much everybody calls me that. Uh, I've been at uh, at TXI for ooh, we're almost at seven years coming up soon, um, and uh, I've been in the uh, in the tech consulting space uh, pretty much my whole professional career. Um, I uh, I've done a whole bunch of different uh, you know types of technology and in different spaces, um, but most recently a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the industrial space. That's great. I think that's helpful context for everybody. Uh, you and I end up having a lot of these conversations around trends and things that we see are happening. We're talking about the challenges that our clients are facing. And I think we thought that this would be a great opportunity for us to share some of these behind the scenes conversations that you and I have been having with a broader audience. Uh, and that's really where we started with for the topic that we're going to cover today. Uh, I think you and I were preparing for a workshop two or three weeks ago. And we start getting into the conversation around balancing the needs and trade-offs of on-prem versus cloud, how our partners in the industrial space are thinking about that. Um, and you had a really interesting perspective based on a conversation that you'd had that kind of spurred us off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> For all of our fans out there, the the the, the giant sea of, uh, of fans of this podcast, if you, yeah, if you haven't checked out that workshop, uh, it's available uh, on the TXI website, txidigital.com. Uh, go, go have a look at that. It's, uh, it was an excellent talk with Jason and, uh, and Andrew, uh, principal engineer here. Uh, but, uh, a lot of that, one of the questions, uh, we were talking about, uh, on-prem versus cloud in the, in the sort of industrial IOT space. And, um, that sort of came from, a, a, a conversation that I had a very lucky conversation with the CTO at a company called Oxide, um, these guys are, are are trying to sort of rethink like rack computing, making it a little bit more uh, available and accessible to folks who are, you know, questioning uh, the cloud computing promises. And in particular, I think the um, the costing model uh, that historically we talk about, uh, they they're trying to challenge that and and still produce an excellent product. And um, they're doing a great job. By the way, the other uh, conversation I had with him is they are. Uh, they produce a, a really awesome podcast as well that I love, uh, Oxide and Friends. Very similar uh, style thing where they just have conversations about uh, what's what's going on in their heads. They they grab, for the most part, their engineers together and uh, just have conversations like this. It's super cool. You can get that on any of the platforms you're interested in, whatever podcast, however you get this podcast. Isn't that what they say on the podcast? Pretty much exactly. So I think what's neat, or what I was hoping we could take the conversation today, is layering on the considerations in the industrial space of, again, cloud versus on-prem. But when you start to think about the implications for machine learning um, and what that is going to mean more and more for players in the industrial space, how does that consideration, that decision point between those two options start to take a different um, 
level of importance or what other considerations start to come into play? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, the big, let's position some things first, uh, before we sort of dip into that. I always got to take five steps back and a good run at one of these. Um, but, uh, if I were to say like historically, why have, have we thought about cloud versus on-prem? I think one of the, the big things is, um, you know, cost, uh, it's very expensive to, to run servers these days, but it's very cheap to, to have things in the cloud. Um, we're going to get into that here in a minute, but, uh, I think the, um, the, the move towards machine learning and all the AI presence, uh, I think it, it changes the computational needs that we have, uh, for the business of, of most of these, these places. So if you think about like a, like a factory or, um, like a smart factory, uh, as compared to somebody who's, you know, they, they've got their administrative applications running. Those are sitting in the cloud and they're, they're mostly dormant for most of the time. But if you have, uh, like actual smart technology processing input from sensors 24 seven, um, I think it changes, it certainly changes your resource needs and mm-hmm. it, it may be the thing that brings you, uh, further along in the compute need space to, to move you along in the, in the, in the cost curve that starts to make things more, make more sense in, uh, on-prem. By the way, I, I'm going to, I'm going to push, uh, on this idea. It's going to sound like I'm wildly pro on-prem. Uh, and I, I think it's more that like just recently my, my world has shifted a bit because of some of these big changes. I don't think, like I'm a natural sort of cloud computing nerd, right? Like that's, that's, I've built a career on moving people to the cloud. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's awesome. And I'm super, super geeked about cloud technologies. It's just, I think this is shaking things a little bit. Right. I think some of the terminology that you and I have used recently in these conversations is really like cloud is the incumbent at this point. Uh, It's kind of like the accepted in common practice. I think what we are all trying to do is question assumptions, right? And question some of the ways that have become commonplace in terms of applying technology to make sure that we're not missing something. Um, I think it's worth pushing on your point about cloud being uh, less expensive because there are some nuances to that, aren't there? Yeah, 100%. I mean, so it's always like, if you think about two competing um, cost uh, moments, I think, or like the, the points of, of, of the financial aspects of, uh, of this kind of tech, in, um, in the case of cloud computing, you're, you're paying a, a regular ongoing cost. And that's a little higher than you would for like basic electricity and stuff like that if you had it all uh, in-house. Uh, it's, it's, it's notably higher, I suppose. Um, and, uh, but there's almost no adoption cost, no change cost. So I can, I can sort of scale up, scale down, and I'm going to feel the effects of that. I'm going to, I'm going to save or spend money based on the demand in the moment. Uh, and that's what a lot of us wanted. We wanted that sort of burst capacity. We wanted, um, we want it all. Um, in the, in the on-prem case, uh, what you have that's like slightly different is you have a, a really high sort of initial capital expenditure. You're going to have to go buy servers and, and get them in place. You're going to have to like create data centers or what, what, what have you. And that's going to be slightly more expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. The turnaround time for, for new uh, hardware, you got, you got a, like a, a lag in terms of the uh, access to that kind of stuff. And that's all different. Uh, but the, the ongoing costs 
um, they are uh, they're they're in usually in in administrative manpower. So like you're you're gonna you can't run a data center um, without somebody to run it. I mean that's just like maybe that I, I suppose it's obvious, but um, you know with the cloud uh, systems you're 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 really pushing all that onto someone like AWS or Google or or, or Microsoft, um, and and that's what you're paying those sort of like hour by hour premiums for is to subsidize um, some admin to work the, the AWS data center or whatever. And so I think um, the trade-offs as, as, as you go along this cost curve, that there is eventually a point in which that, that large initial capital expenditure is, is uh, small in comparison to the total cost of ownership. Uh, if you look out, out over like a, say a 10 year or five year period, um, that that becomes less of a big uh, deal when you're thinking about you know cloud usage costs of you know millions and millions of dollars. Um, it's, it's not it's not unusual for someone to spend you know 10, 15 million dollars a, a year on their AWS bill. Um, you can buy a lot of servers and hire a lot of a lot of people to run them for for those kinds of uh, of dollar figures. And uh, it just becomes non-obvious, I think. I mean, let's talk about the other dynamics as well, right? I mean, there's a performance question that needs to be addressed. Um, and I would say, coming back to our starting point as, as relates to like the, the machine learning component, um, again, performance, what's the implications there? But also like from a security standpoint, uh, what are you kind of weighing or trading off as you think about the value that this machine learning application is going to have and how you protect that and what it's also churning out and, and producing. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think many people, uh, would love it if we could, uh, slap a one size fits all thing on machine learning and the cloud and on-prem stuff like that. And the, the sad truth is, uh, you can't, um, because machine learning isn't all, all the same. Uh, you know, I think, what you're what you need to do in uh, in internally is you really have to figure out that computational profile of what this is, and so mm -hmm. machine learning can take lots of different forms. Um, but some 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 tasks you have large, uh, really intense, bursty uh, training uh, exercises like for the, for the models, and that needs certain like high compute capacity, uh, and that. That can be different, uh, really different profile from the execution of the model, the the, the how to make decisions day to day, um, or uh, there are some things that are have the opposite profile. You have nearly no initial training and and execution is uh, takes quite a lot of um, uh, a lot of capacity, and so I think again feeling feeling out that that profile in terms of um, Burst versus like steady state. Uh, I think if you're a, a an executive making these types of decisions, I think you want to understand those two different modes that your computational needs are going to hit. Um, and uh, and so that, I think that's how you'll think about um, whether the that initial cost uh, works for you, and then if the scaling uh, patterns are something that you can you can manage uh, internally because obviously 
the more bursty things get, the more the cloud makes more sense. So let's bring this back and try and be as relevant as we can for our audience of people who work specifically in the industrial space. They're thinking about manufacturing. Where do you think some of the more bursty types of applications are likely to come up in an industrial process uh, that would lead those folks in our audience to think about the cloud implications there? Yeah, I think for me, it, it's the the ones I've seen are things that are, are more in that um, uh, model training. Uh, that was one that already came up. Mm -hmm. I think the um, sort of like, usually it's actually what we would naturally cause to be like nightly activities. So things when the activity on a factory or, or something like that is actually low, there's a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, off hours computational needs. Maybe that's things like uh, reporting or, or or whatever, if they're batch reporting that needs to happen. Um, yeah, maybe it's it's daily analytics or like, you know, um, that kind of thing. Um, that, those are the types of sort of uh, batch bursty things that I see. I'm trying to think of there any other um, uh, any other ones that are in the in the front of my mind. I think those are probably the the meta. Uh, sure. And what about the flips? What about the flip side? The steady state applications. What, what could we? What would we connect from like a manufacturing industrial space into that more steady state type of type of need? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the big one uh, that I uh, am talking to a lot of folks right now is uh, is. Uh, sort of data transfer, like we're talking about a relatively mm -hmm. escalated amount of uh, of data, and so literally just moving bits and bytes around to the to the right places to even have computation to happen, or be in a place where reporting can get done correctly, or what have you. Um, but it's uh, that any, anything that's like sort of like real time, which a lot of these the, these things are. I mean. We certainly often jump to that use case of re real time. Historically, is always the, the the more challenging thing because I have to have that steady state computational uh, engine up up and humming. Um, but you know, it's common that not everything needs to be real time, and so some of that thing, some of that stuff can get shoved to the to a background task or a thing that's 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 done nightly. So. I, I think, uh, yeah, if you can imagine, like just for an example, uh, if you can imagine sensor data coming in from uh, your machines and you're you're looking for anomalies and and moments of uh, uh, that are expressing potential failure. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's because you have temperature sensors and uh, as as they get you know too high or too low, uh, you want to get alerted and and all that stuff. Um, those uh, those anomalous uh, detections that like a machine learning algorithm might uh, might might alert you to are uh, are good examples of things that need to be pretty real time, right? Like those those need to be sort of constantly um, processed and run. So mm -hmm. they they take they take up uh, a lot of resources. So if we were talking to like one of our partners in the industrial space who's already all in on a cloud solution are there any circumstances where we might consider advising that a step towards a hybrid approach uh might make a lot of sense and might give them certain efficiencies or additional capacity in terms of what they're doing yeah i think uh, I, I think that should always be considered right like first off everything in our our world is very much so like 
let's take some steps, right? Like, it's not like, let's, let's jump all in. Um, I feel like that's the path to innovation is being able to have a smooth curve to adoption. Um, but, uh, I would say like, uh, so I say, first off, I'd say a lot of this can be done in a hybrid way. The, the big, there's, there's one big challenge or like two, I would say two big challenges in our way. Right. So one is when you don't take the, the big plunge, uh, you're, you're basically accepting all of the challenges of, of, of both sides. Right? So you've got, you, you've got double the problems and, and that, that can be things like, um, we haven't talked about it, but like, if you think about like the re reliability profile here, right. One of the, one of the reasons to move to on-prem, uh, it would be, uh, your, when you think about uptime for your, your tech or whatever, whatever it is, um, your servers and all that compute uh, infrastructure is going to go down at very likely at the same time as the rest of your factory or whatever, if it's close. Uh, so if, if there's a giant power outage, you don't care that your, that your reporting isn't working because dude, the machines aren't working. Um, and so like, I think the tying the, the, those two things together makes some sense to some, some companies. Some, some might say the exact opposite, which is like, when it's down, I need, I need the mothership or something like that to be able to know, to be able to respond. And that's reasonable. But if, if everybody's kind of on site and that would be obvious, um, maybe that makes sense. Whereas when you're in the cloud, um, you're worried about an AWS regional out or outage or availability zone going down or something like that. You're, you're, you're worried about some of those big things and those have nothing to do with the rest of your business. And so like, to date, most industrial, um, you know, businesses aren't wildly disrupted by major cloud outages. Although more and more that's becoming an issue. Um, it, the cloud tends to be more reliable overall, but it's decoupled. It's it, its issues are decoupled from the the issues of of your business. Um, so uh, I think that's that's sort of worth saying uh, when you're thinking hybrid. Um, and the second thing, when you're when you're thinking about perhaps pursuing a, a hybrid approach, uh, is the expense of data transfer, uh, moving moving bits uh, to the cloud and out of the cloud. Um, if you're a heavy cloud user, you often um, don't think about uh, ingress and egress costs uh, that come from using the cloud, uh, because as long as it all stays in the in the ecosystem, they're happy to to keep it all in there, and they won't charge you for a ton of kind of um, movement there. But if it's going back and forth from your, uh, your, your personal data center or your factory or your whatever, um, depending on the volume of that, and these uh, applications tend to be higher volume than historically we would uh, be thinking about, you've got a, you've got a, a sizable expense there. Uh, and that can be pretty painful. Not to mention just the sheer time that it takes. Like it's hard to move petabytes of data it's just like that's just like physically can't happen in in an instant so that's really it's a really thoughtful way of thinking about it um i think we've covered a lot of the details around here the one thing i'd love to uh, ask you to kind of like put a bow on this like as you think about uh this topic you think about the space um you know at txi we always we use the word curiosity a lot right so as we talk as we've been talking about um this space 
on-prem versus cloud, the implications for machine learning, the implications for the industrial space. Like, what's the thing that you're really curious about on this topic that you're kind of spurred to kind of like keep digging into and want to have some questions further answered about? Like, what are you, what are you curious about here? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just because I got to speak with a, a passionate individual, but like, I'm really, um, I'm really interested in what changes that cost curve, that the, those that intersection of uh, cost making sense for on the on on prem versus uh, in the cloud. And I think folks like Oxide, people who are pushing the boundaries of of where um, that sort of enterprise tech uh, can can sit, uh, they're they're just you know historically like Amazon and Google and all the like are spending a lot of money in making that um, those servers cheap to run, right? That's like, it matters a ton to them. And historically that wasn't, that type of innovation wasn't accessible to the, even, even the standard enterprise. So I'm, my curiosity is very much so in um, what kind of magic can folks like that make? Uh, because honestly, um, physical uh, like hardware stuff, it for me is, is slightly more distant to the, uh, the work that I've always done, and anytime we take large leaps in the, in the physical hardware, um, I feel like it's like magic. It's like it's like a whole new world opens up. Like I, I still wouldn't even claim to fully understand quantum computing, but I'm just like, wow, that's science fiction. Uh, and um, I think we're actually on. Uh, like people are certainly working on making science fiction a reality in in this space, right? That's awesome. All right. So we are going to use this theme of curiosity to lead us into what I am expecting is going to be a recurring theme, a recurring question in uh, this content series that we do. I would like each of us to share one thing from the past week that was the best thing we asked of generative AI. All right. I will go first. I'm getting ready for a big family road trip for our summer vacation. Uh, we have a quick, quick stopover on the way home. We're doing just one night in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, and I was like, generative AI, if I have just one day in Richmond, Virginia, what are the things that I cannot miss? Um, so I was really impressed with how quickly he's able to give me like a list of the top five gardens to visit, areas of town, place to eat, I was like, that was way faster than any Google search I could have done, and it was pretty thoughtful. Uh, and what's what's the number one? Give me the give me the come on, give me the goods, right? Like now I'm like invested in Richmond, Virginia, all of a sudden. The number one is uh, basically an area in town called uh, Hollywood, uh, known for its a cobblestone streets and uh, great vibe. Apparently, so I'm going to pick up on that vibe to the greatest extent we can while we were in Richmond overnight in, uh, in two weeks time. Beautiful. Beautiful. Shout out All to right. What about you? What was the, what was the best thing that you asked of generative AI this week? So, yeah, like, um, mine is, uh, okay. So those of you who don't know me well enough, uh, you're just gonna, you're gonna get to know me through the podcast. Um, but I, my, my personal passion is definitely in, in board games and a whole bunch of nerdy stuff. And when I sit and, and dream the big dreams, I imagine uh, quitting all this nonsense of, uh, of uh, being in engineering and opening a board game store. And I asked, uh, I asked ChatGBT, hey, give me some, uh, some names for, for my, my new board game store. And I kept just sort of like, I don't know, 
pushing it and like they uh, they were great uh so they're all we ended in a place that were like 10 that were all uh super pun uh related and i thought it was great uh so we got things like the boardroom love it uh we got decked out games that was great um board stiff uh that was fantastic uh the dice is right come on you can't like you'd have to pay a company for this one like it's so good so that's what I got. Uh, oh, uh, the, my, another one that I liked was "Let's Get Bored." Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to make a <laughs> a place that's called "Let's Get Bored." Uh, but, uh, I think the dice is right is definitely the uh, the winning answer there among those. Um, I know that we probably have a bunch of listeners in the Richmond area, and I need to do a quick correction before we go any further. Shockco Slip and Shockco Bottom are the two areas with great vibe that I was meant to say. Whereas Hollywood Cemetery, uh, which while well, may sound morbid, is apparently uh, very notable for its historical significance. Uh, not the same kind of vibe, though, as the other places. So not something that you'd want to get confused. So uh, to our <laughs> listeners and viewers in the greater Richmond area, apologies for making that grave error no pun intended. i mean that's the thing about generative ai it's not always perfect uh you know sometimes you show up to a place called hollywood and it happens to be a cemetery no big deal right like you just kind of roll with it that's it's exactly what you have to just roll with it that's the other name for your board game god that's good uh like um sign it up see done this is, the chat gpt doesn't know about these things <sighs> All right, I think we should end it on that note. Listen, I want to thank all of you for joining us today. If you enjoyed our content, please subscribe. Our ambition is to continue to cover the important topics and trends shaping industrial innovation. Uh, and we will see you next time on The Modern Industrialist.